0: Kind of in the lead-up to Lent, if you've been around, uh, you'll be aware um, that we've been thinking about how we can uh, develop um, a a rule of life, kind of, um, kind of something to sustain us and to sustain our faith um, in Christ. And um, the analogy that we've been using all the way through this is to describe a rule of life as being a bit like a trellis. Have the next slide. Um, boring you with my garden slides. I do realise I ought to come up with some new ones. The whole point of a trellis is that it supports life and it enables life to be fruitful. Um, and kind of that's what a, a kind of a spiritual rule of life is. What? I think. It's something that isn't meant to box us in. It's meant to be something that liberates us and allows us to fulfil God's potential in us. Um, kind of. So kind of. Um, I think I want to add a caveat here. Um, kind of, the kind of four key areas we're thinking about kind of make up kind of a pattern for living. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about our work life. Um, last week, Liz was talking about our prayer lives. Uh, this week, I'm talking about rest. Um, and then, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll finish off this series thinking about kind of our relationships. And kind of each one of those, there's kind of like subheadings of things that kind of that can be helpful. The bottom line is actually it's what works for you, what sustains you, kind of what feeds your soul, what is life-giving to you, um, um, and also identifying those things that are kind of life-sapping. Um, and so, in a way. What I'm saying is don't be confined by what we're talking about from the front. Um, This is about all of us pursuing a journey with the Lord, uh, kind of about discovering about the things that feed our soul and enable us to flourish in him. Um, The big question, if I go to the next slide, is what makes us fruitful? That's what really matters. Um, So today we're focusing on rest uh, please don't take that uh, as an invitation to have a nap, um, although if you need it that badly, perhaps you should. Um, just try not to snore um, or get the person next to you to nudge you if you do. Um, it feels like tiredness um, and exhaustion are at epidemic proportions in our society. Um, whenever I talk to people uh, and you say to them, how are you? Um, if I don't kind of give you the, the first line, which, which most people say, which, oh, I'm all right. Um, if people kind of get beyond that, almost kind of universally, the thing that people seem to say is, I'm just so tired. Anyone, else, anyone feel like that? Um, anyone not feeling tired? Please put your... particularly if you're... Katie, come up here, take over, <laughs> share, you know, sh- if you're not fit, please help the rest of us. Um, it, kind of, yeah, um, those that don't seem to feel tired are in the minority, shall we put it that way. Um, it feels like we're burnt out at the end of our resources, at the end of our tether. So why are we so tired? Go to the next slide. Um there, if you Google it, there are so many reasons that are giving. What I love is the way that some of them are completely contradictory. Um, and sometimes they state the obvious. Apparently, lack of sleep might be an issue. Who would have ever guessed? Um, there are other issues, though. Bad diet. The trouble is when you read about all the stuff that, kind of diet-wise, that can make you tired, you actually wonder what you get left that you can actually eat because um, it's not going to make you tired, but you won't go there. Um, all those of you that kind of are still from university days taking too many stimulants, be it coffee or energy drinks, although they're meant to give you energy, they apparently just make you all the more tired. Um, there are other kind of more deep-seated issues, personal battles with mental health, with stress, with depression. Um Yeah, too much screen time. Um, Who would be guilty of that? I'm sure I don't know anybody that would be guilty of too much um, screen. Yeah, Um, (coughs) there's some people pointing at each other. Let's not point at each other. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to point at us. Um, I yeah I confess to too much screen time. Um, I use it for work and I use it for pleasure. Um, kind of, my iPad seems to be rarely out of my hands. It would appear, uh, and it's completely the wrong thing to do. It's the last thing I look at when I get into bed, which apparently is a great way to not go to sleep or not have any decent sleep whatsoever. So I need help, too. Uh, what I found interesting was how much people put the emphasis on things that actually are about personal choice. You know, I have a choice not to use my iPad quite as much as I do. I have a choice about what food I put into my body or whether I use stimulants or not. Um, Kind of, it it seems to me, um, particularly in the light of what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when we were touching on work, that actually the problem actually at times isn't within our control. I don't know whether that rings a bell for you. Um, it, it feels like that, that there are so many pressures on our lives at times that it can feel like our lives um, are out of control. Um, that there are so many demands that are being made on us um, that uh, that actually kind of that is a, a, at least a, a significant part of this whole issue about why we are so exhausted uh, as a society. And it just raises that question, which takes us back to this rule of life. How can we find a balanced way of living? Um, and, and it seems to me that any response needs to begin and have at its heart with the pr- biblical principle um, of Sabbath. Um, can we have the next slide? Thanks. Um, creation, the creation account ends with God resting by the seventh day god had finished the work he had been doing on the seventh day he rested from all of his work sorry about the typo in there oh no so on the seventh day he rested yeah i actually got the typo in my notes not on there great just have you ever thought about that um why does god rest why does god rest Is he feeling a bit tired? Um, Does he need a nap? Does he need to put his feet up? Um, Why does God rest? Um, I I don't think he needs a nap or to put his feet up. Jesus tells us the Father is always working. Uh, It seems to me God's rest is to give us the gift of rest. Uh, This is God's gift to us. This is all about grace. It's all about God giving us what we need. And it goes on to say, And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Uh, And it seems to me that this is for our benefit, Not for God's benefit. And, uh, and, um, you can, you can, you know, you can, you can now really go and snooze if you want to. Um, you can forget almost everything else. Um, I kind of say that in my heart, my longing is you would take away from you the idea that rest and Sabbath is a gift. It's God's gift to you. It's not an obligation. Um, to kind of to 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 add another duty, another pressure, another thing that we've somehow got to fulfil in our busy and pressurised lives, it's a gift to give us what we need. Um, and, and I just find myself wondering: um, you know, Is the Sabbath about law, um, or is it about grace? This is, in my mind, all about grace. But frequently when we talk about Sabbath, we get entrenched in law. And it's not surprising, you know, the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day. Go the next slide, thanks. Um, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that's in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Um, it's interesting, even in the heart of what is law, the Ten Commandments, even in this rule about the Sabbath, There is grace. This isn't just for the Israelites to have a day of rest, but their servants are also exempt from work. There's a protection in this for the most vulnerable in society, as well as for everyone else. And kind of, I guess again I asked the question, for whose benefit? Is the commandment an obligation placed on humanity or a gift? The precious gift of rest, and it seems to me the problem is that human beings are um, inextricably, inextricably—that sounds even better—drawn to law and to legalism. Um, you know, we love a set of rules to obey. That's one of the things that appeals about so much religion. Um, I'm old enough to remember the days when Christians didn't do anything on a Sunday, besides going to church. Uh, it almost feels like there was something in the commandments about fun being prohibited. Now, I know that kind of Christians can be kind of fun averse at times, but it, it kind of seemed like when I was growing up in church as a teenager, kind of it was taken to the ultimate extreme. I can remember going away... Um, on a youth weekend away. In fact, we went. We were living in London, and we came down to Bell Toot, you know, that lighthouse at, at, down at Eastbourne on Beachy Head? And we stayed in it, which was amazing for a youth group weekend away. We had a terrific time, and on the Sunday afternoon before we came home, we played hockey. And we were literally told by the youth leader not to tell anybody that we had played hockey because it would not be approved of in church, because you shouldn't be doing anything on a Sunday. The only trouble was, and, and, and I'm not being sexist, um, probably am actually, but never mind. Have you ever seen boys and girls play hockey? Have you, yeah? Have you ever been part of boys and girls playing mixed hockey? Do you know what happens? The blokes get hospitalised. So what happens, and, and, kinda, and we had someone in hospital with broken fingers as a result of playing hockey on a Sunday afternoon. How, so then you're left with, do you tell the truth? There's a commandment about telling the truth, isn't there, as well? you know, How many commandments did you break to try and not let everyone know you were playing hockey on a Sunday afternoon? I what is all that about? It's about legalism, isn't it? Is that what God intended? Um, a law against fun uh, and life um, and, and all of those things. And it, and it seems to me it's just really sad when the church seems to mirror the attitude of the Pharisees. Uh, because that's the attitude of the Pharisees to Jesus. They're quick to criticize him, they're quick to uh, criticize his disciples. And one of the chief reasons they criticise him is that he, in their mind, broke the Sabbath rules. Um, you know, it begins with his disciples picking... Well, they've gone for a walk to start with. That's a no-no. You shouldn't be doing that. Then they're picking ears, ears of horn, corn. That's harvesting and preparing food. That's two more rules you've broken. Um, and then Jesus goes on to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Um, and, and they And they can't cope with this. It's a major stumbling block to them. And Jesus has some profound things to say here. He asks some deep questions. Is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? Um, he, the Sabbath, he says, is made for man, not made, and for the Sabbath. And that's the difference between law and grace, isn't it? Um, yeah, is, it is it something that's good for us? that is life-enhancing and life-enabling, or is it something that is life-limiting? And that's what's what at the heart of this whole thing about a rule of life. What is it within our lives that brings life and, and enhances life, and what steals it away? Um, and Jesus claims to be the one that brings life. He claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath. There is another sermon in that alone. Because people often ask the question, you know, how do we really know that Jesus really believed he was God? Well, it's just another example when he claims to be Lord of the Sabbath. He's putting himself on an equal footing with God. Um, elsewhere, he, he, he goes on to say when he talks about this, that his father is always working and therefore he's always working. He makes himself one with the father. That's not the subject of today's talk, so we will divert. One of the things I love about visiting Dan in Munich um, is the absence, and I'm starting to sound like a real boring old fart here, aren't I? Sorry. Is the absence of Sunday trading. Um, I have to say, it is very frustrating when you want a pint of milk. Because if you didn't buy it on the Saturday, you're not going to get it on the Sunday. Literally... Everything shuts on the Sunday in Munich. Um, There is something very moving about tens of thousands of people just flooding into the English garden and having fun. Um, And that means a whole lot of different things depending on your age group. Um, there are people that are just strolling. There are people that are in the beer gardens in there. There are people that are chilling out with their friends um, with a picnic. Um, there is one area where there are an awful lot of naked German men because for some reason or other they like to get their kit off. I don't quite understand the the the, um, the attraction of that particular bit of it. Um, there are people that... Erect tightropes between trees and spend the whole day walking back and forth across it. There are people that get out volleyballs and play games. Um, there is something actually just incredibly precious in everyone just stopping, and I can't help but wonder at what the benefits are for people's health and well being in that that whole society stops like that. And whether, in the name of progress, whether we've given up something that's actually really very precious. So why Sabbath? I think to protect us from the brokenness of work in this broken world. The relentless pressure to do more. Um, a kind of Sabbath stopping, whether it's a Sunday or another day, um, is all about a principle of trust and of faith, of trusting God that he will provide, and it's not just about our work and our determination um, and the need for us to keep on going. Uh, We need to trust God to run the universe. It won't stop if we have a day off. Um, Most of us work five days a week or more, in paid employment. Hannah was telling me about someone working one of the shops over the road that had done a night shift somewhere and then gone to do a day shift in one of the shops. Um, sometimes the amount that people work is absolutely mind-boggling just to try and keep the show on the road, a roof over their heads. Um, and then on days when we're not shopping, there's a whole lot more work that needs our attention. Um, there's shopping, there's cleaning, there's odd jobs, there's cutting the grass. Um, choosing to keep time and space free of work is an act of faith, and it's an investment in our personal well-being. And, and there's a bit of a caution that I ought to add here. Um, kind of where does church fit into that? Um, Is, if kind of, if part of our day of rest is church, is church life giving or is it life sapping? It, It seems to me the way we do church at times can actually add yet another load, um, of pressure onto people's lives. Yeah, we're pressured at work. We're pressured trying to get the kids to all the clubs that they need to go to. Um, we're pressured, um, Kind of trying to make sure we've got our exercise regime in place, although that, in my mind, that that can be good for us. And then we come to church, and then there's yet more pressure. We need to be kind of careful. There's a bit of a there's a there's a health warning about church. Perhaps some of us should do less, and others should do more. Quite interesting question. Um, let's unpack this idea of Sabbath. Uh, Sciascio in his book suggests. Uh, Four aspects of what uh, makes up a biblical Sabbath, thanks. Stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. Um, What kind of activities bring you joy and delight? Uh, What replenishes you? Stop. Stop. I think this involves a choice. Uh, in a world that is increasingly pressurised, everything within us screams we can't stop. Um, I will be forever grateful to Carol for ensuring that I get a day off. My day off, if you don't know, is the Thursday. Um, I do my best not to answer emails on my phone or do anything that is work related. Sometimes that's a bit difficult when you live in a building that's partly your office, so we try to get out of it as much as we can. Uh, And actually, unlike a lot of clergy I know, we've actually managed to hold on to our day off pretty much through all of our working lives. That is almost solely down to Carol. In the first week of my first job as a curate, uh, my then boss, who was a delightful guy, but basically ran the parish off of the money generated by funerals. So we would do seven or eight funerals in a week because the money came in to top up what was needed to keep the church on the go. And that was how it worked in those days. It doesn't work that way. We cannot solve our budgetary problems at the moment by me doing more funerals. So stop plotting who you're going to kill to to generate an income. But that's how it worked then. Week one, he said to me, oh, this funeral's come in it's on your day off, you won't mind doing it just this time, will you? What would have happened if I'd said, yes, I don't mind doing it just this time? It would have been a week later and it would be. oh, there's another one that's come off. You don't mind doing it just this time too. Um, and Carol was healthy visiting then as she was now. She had chosen to go from working full time to working four days a week so we could have that day off together. Yeah, she had given up opportunities of going on to be a manager and promotion because she was going to work full t- part time. She'd taken a cut in salary so we could have that day off together. And I just said, and I just couldn't. I know, it was kind of, who can I look in the face, Carol or the vicar? <laughs> and I just said to him, No, I'm not. I nearly said his name. I'm not going to say his name. I just said, No, um, I can't do that. Carol's given that day off. We're going to have. I, I'm not going to do funerals on my day off. He never asked me again. And it set a pattern for our lives. It, uh, it was about choosing to stop. Uh, rest. Uh, it seems to me that rest, uh, that stopping doesn't necessarily equal rest. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I asked this question. I'll cover the next slide. Do we work to rest or rest to work? Uh, It seems the answer to this question plays a big part in whether we really rest or not. Uh, In a world where where work is increasingly life-denying, we can put an awful lot of weight on time off. Um, We can spend the whole working week as an exercise in survival, hanging on for the weekend... Um, and when we've got all of the jobs that need to be done with probably unrealistic expectations of what we're going to fulfil on a day off. Um, And um, I may be good at taking days off. Uh, If you talk to Carol, you will discover I am not necessarily good at managing the expectations of what will happen on a day off. Frequently, those expectations are totally unrealistic. I will get three or four beds of vegetable beds in the garden dug over. I will have time to take a photograph. Um, I will have time to listen to a podcast or to do some kind of online photography training. I'll have time to go out and do some photography. Um, you know, I'm, and I'll read this book and I'll do this. And all of these are the expectations that I have on a Wednesday evening when I am looking at what I may or may not do on a Thursday evening. And, and what happens if those expectations? are unmet. You end up at the end of the day with this kind of sense of loss, um, you know, uh, 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 the, of deflation, that, yeah, I've been waiting and waiting and now I've got to go and do another six days before it all comes round again and I can do it again. And there's a danger um, that if we're working to rest, what we're actually doing is putting unreasonable pressure. Whereas actually if we really rest to work, it transforms not just the day of rest, but the rest of the week. Um, it's the same with holidays, isn't it? Um, you know, we, we book the holiday, and we look forward to it, and there's all this expectation of this wonderful family time we're going to have, and it's going to be absolutely glorious. Um, and the rows begin when we start to try and pack the car. That doesn't happen... To anyone else um i'm sure um we are so tense and overstressed from work um i used to know I used to work with a guy and he said that he had a migraine for the first three days of every holiday and that was because he couldn't switch off the work and when he did switch off the work he was ill for the first three days of every holiday um I have the opposite problem. I love the first couple of days of a holiday. I wouldn't want to confess to what it might be like trying to pack the car, particularly when we used to camp. Putting the tent up's a good one. Oh, that's just, isn't that great for marital harmony? There's nothing quite like putting a tent up to bring out the joy and the love in a family, particularly in the rain or, or storm Dennis. Um, yeah. Leave that one behind. Um, my problem is that by the time it gets to halfway through the holiday, all I can then think of is what I'm going back to. So you can be so stressed when you arrive that the first three days kind of wear you out. You've got a day in the middle when, Oh, this is great, I'm on holiday and then you start worrying about going home because we put so much pressure on this time off. Um we have such unrealistic expectations. If we are working to rest, we will be permanently disappointed. Delight. Um, kind of, um, I don't know whether any of you, like me, think that God made a ma- serious mistake in where you were born. Um, I'm sure I should have been born in a Mediterranean climate where the sun shone all of the time. Um, this rain, darkness, business is really not good for me at all. Um, I know that I'm much better in the summer and the spring than I am in the autumn um, and in the winter. Um, and, um, and sometimes that can make it very difficult to delight in anything. Uh, one of the things I've discovered about being able to successfully live and rest is to choose to do things to enter into the seasons. It's one of the reasons why I love gardening. Even in winter, you can go out there and get this a- anticipation of what's coming next. Here's a special one just for Mark. I've been out checking on the pond, and our froggy friends are getting ready to produce frog spawn, and all of those things. Um, Sorry, it's a bit of a private joke. Um, Mark doesn't do amphibians, and I post pictures of amphibians in my pond when they start spawning. And every year I kind of keep a record of what's the earliest they spawned. It's sad, isn't it? I do realise it's very, very sad, but it's for me. It's part of just staying in tune. You know, knowing that spring is coming helps me deal with the darkness that, does, that creeps into my soul. That's not just about dark nights. Um, staying in. If you work um, using your brain and not your hands and doing things physically, actually, when you're when you're resting. Doing something that's physical can be life-generating g- and life-enhancing. You know, at times, people say to me, what did you do this week? And I'll turn around and I'll think, well, and I know it's a standard joke about Vickers only working one day a week, but I will kind of think, well, what did I do this week? You know, what is there physically to show for what I've actually done this week? Um... And you can look through your diary and you can see appointments and there's a talk at the end of it and things like that. But what have I done? Whereas if I've been out in the garden on a day off, I can see a vegetable bed that's been dug over. Or I can see things that have been planted out. Or I can see something that has been pruned. Um, And it's about finding a way of balancing um, what happens in our lives. Doing, Doing something physical, playing an instrument. Picking up my camera instantly relaxes me. I feel better for it, even if I'm not satisfied with what I might take. Um, we also need to understand how we are wired. One of the joys or frustrations of days us for a long while was Carol and I not getting how we are wired. Now, I know no one believes this, but I'm an introvert and Cow is an extrovert. So for me, going back to the theme of the garden, what could be better on your day off than disappearing into the garden and spending the whole day digging over a bed and not talking to anybody? It's wonderful. You know, I'm an introvert. That's how I recharge my batteries by being on my own and by doing that sort of stuff. Carol, on the other hand, is an extrovert. She likes being with people and talking to people. And she has this vague illusion that her husband might actually be sociable on his day off. What an unrealistic thing to... Ex- no, okay, you've lost that. You had an expectation that I might... Understanding how we're wired makes a difference. Um, contemplate, get away... Um, an hour in a coffee house or a walk in a wood can make a massive amount of difference. Probably the best thing that works for most of us on our day off is when we clear off down to the coast and just walk by the sea. And it's really interesting. I can be sitting in an office here and my brain can be incredibly kind of... It can, like it's, it's like trying to think creative thoughts is like wading through mud, and yet getting out into an open space, walking by the sea, or sitting somewhere different, can suddenly switch the light on in terms of what one thinks and imagines and dreams. Um, make space to think beyond the everyday. Okay, I can see there's a of children out there. I will stop. Rest is a gift. Sabbath is a gift. It's about grace and it's not about law. What do you do with gifts? You receive them. Let's pray. Lord, just we thank you for this gift that you've enshrined in the created order. This principle of rest. And it just feels like everything in our society seems to deny it from us. The need to work, to do more than one job, or to, um, to pour all of our energy into the job we have, or to be looking for a job, or just trying to make things work at home. Trying to keep others on track. Lord, teach us how to rest. Amen.